and it's good to see everybody. I am very thankful and grateful today. Uh, number one, because uh, the Lord has made this day, and we're rejoicing and to be glad in it. But also, I'm grateful to uh, be your minister this morning, and not only in this moment and in this morning, but in the in in the time that we shared together in the work here. And I was just so grateful. Uh, for the success of yesterday's outreach. Uh, We served a lot of children yesterday, uh, gave them clothes, gave them backpacks for school, and uh, gave them a little bit of fun and some face paint. But uh, the service to the community is something that I I think is very important for this church. And uh, it's just a wonderful thing to see the works that are happening in this small church. So I just praise God for this church today. I'm just thankful for the work that's happening and for God's continued blessing on the work here that even though we're small, we are doing mighty things in the name of Christ in our community. So I'm just thankful to be a part, a small part of the work here. Today I want to talk about something in particular, and this is a kind of a nuts and bolts basic sermon, Christian sermon, but I think it's important to talk about basic one-on-one Christianity sometimes. And it's kind of speaking to the subject that you hear a lot of times in conversations of friends and and on television, and, and you've probably heard it before, something like this. Well, all religions are basically the same. And I know the idea that they're trying to... There's good people in all the religions. And I I would never argue that. There's good people. There's good neighbors. There's peaceful people in all religions, we could say. But that doesn't mean that all religions are the same. Or that all religions teach the same thing. And so sometimes maybe we lose sight really of who Jesus is because then we start to to put him in the gang of all the old ancient teachers and preachers and, and thinkers. We say, well, he's just one of those ancient figures in the past and he's just one of the guys back then and everything's the same. But are we really doing a disservice to who Jesus is? And if we begin to actually examine the world religions, we find that they are fundamentally different. And if they share in any likeness, it's really just on the surface. Jesus is different than any other person that's ever walked the earth. Jesus is a different teacher than has ever walked. Jesus is a unique figure in history. He's incomparable to any other teacher. Well, there's been some good things said by other people, there's no doubt. There's been true things said by other people, no doubt. But Jesus is markedly different. He is a remarkable figure, and I want to give you some of that today. Why Jesus is so unique. Why Jesus is so significant. Confucius once said, he's somebody that people look back to, real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. And that's certainly true. If you really want to know something, it really starts to begin by knowing what you don't know, right? 
And I can tell you, there's a lot of things I don't know in this world. You don't want me working on your car. You don't want me having sur- you don't want me to be the one performing surgery on you. There's a lot of things I don't know. And so the key to knowledge is to find out what you're ignorant in. So you're not spreading ignorance, too. And also to be teachable and not encourageable. Well, Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. That's true. That if you want to be successful in life, if you really want to know something, you've got to know yourself. And a lot of times the one person that they don't think about, people don't think about, is themselves as far as self-assessment. We're busy judging everybody else, but we never get around to our own life. Certainly Socrates was right in that. He said that when he was on trial. Or Buddha. Three things cannot be long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth. Certainly that's true. The truth eventually finds out. You can't hide the truth forever, can you? The truth comes out. The truth will be told. You can hide it for a while. But eventually, as Moses says, your sin will find you out. Or, Mohammed, trust Allah, but tie your camel. Yeah, he said that. Certainly all these things are true. But when you get to Jesus, there's something very different and very special about Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That statement is so much different than all the other statements, isn't it? Because Jesus is very special. He didn't just come here to teach. He didn't just come here to be a moralist. He came here as a Savior. And that's very different than just some philosopher or teacher, isn't it? He came to save you. And that gets us to this unlikely confession that happens when Jesus is dying on the cross in Mark 15, 39, where He says, Now when the centurion who stood opposite Him saw that He cried out like this and breathed His last, He said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. I scratch my head at that confession because this centurion makes it when Jesus is dying. Not when He's healing. There Jesus is dying in agony, in despair, in harrowing darkness. And then the centurion sees and breathes his last breath and says, Truly, this man is the Son of God. That even in His death, confession is made. Isn't that amazing? There's something significant and different about Jesus. And the centurion recognized it. Even Albert Einstein recognized it. He said this, I am a Jew, but I am enthralled by the luminous figure of the Nazarene. Jesus is too colossal for the pen of phrase mongers. However artful, no man can read the Gospels without feeling the actual presence of Jesus. His personality pulsates in every word. No myth is filled with such life. Theseus and other heroes of of his type lack the authentic vitality of Jesus. 
even an unbeliever in Christ recognize there's something distinct and different about who Jesus is. So today I want to give you a few reasons why Jesus is different from all the other teachers, why Jesus is significant, why Jesus is the Son of God. Number one, we know that Jesus is distinct and different because of His own self-understanding. How did Jesus understand Himself in His teachings? Who did He think that He was, is the question. Identity is important, isn't it? You know, I work in a hospital. And sometimes I go into hospital rooms. And sometimes I get the question this, are you the doctor? And I can show them my pay stub and show them that I'm not the doctor. <laughs> right, honey? But identity is important. Who you understand yourself to be is important. If I walked in and I said, yeah, I'm the medical doctor around here. What's wrong with you? I'm fundamentally not understanding myself correctly. And in the same way, who did Jesus understand Himself to be? And when you read His words, when you read His teaching, He understands Himself to be different than the rest of us. Remember, He said, Abraham would rejoice in my day, and He rejoiced in seeing it. And they said, well, Abraham, wait a minute. Jesus, you're not even 50 years old. Why are you talking? Abraham saw you? Abraham knew you? And he said, Assuredly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. You see, Jesus existed before he was born. Do you know anybody else like that? I haven't found one yet. And then Jesus had this crazy idea, too, that he could forgive sins. Remember that he was preaching in the town and they brought the paralytic to the house and they lowered him through the roof. They brought him in. And the first thing that Jesus says to the paralytic is, Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. You know, I've been preaching quite a while here. And no one comes up to me asking for forgiveness for all their sins. They don't come to me. They may ask for my prayers. They may ask for my advice. They may ask for a sermon, but no one says, Laws, will you forgive my sins for me? And I would in no way ever take on that mantle to pretend like I could. But Jesus says, Son, thy sins are forgiven thee. And then they said this, Who do you think you are? Are you God? And then Jesus spoke with action, really. He said, which is easier for a man to say thy sins are forgiven thee or to get up and rise and walk? And the man was healed. Who is Jesus? He's very different than any other teacher. He also said, I am the Son of Man. Hereafter, the Son of Man will sit on the right hand of power. And they asked Him, are you the Son of God? And He says, you rightly Say that I am. And Jesus says that our belief in Him is about our salvation. Except that you believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. 
Jesus understood Himself to be one with the Father, to be divine. Who did His disciples believe Him to be? Remember Peter in that grand confession, just like the centurion, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Thomas beheld the resurrected Jesus, when he beheld the hands and feet, the nail prints and the spear side of Jesus, what did he say to Jesus? He said, my Lord and my God. Who did the church believe Jesus to be? Paul said in Colossians 1.15 that Jesus is the image of the invisible God and all things were created through Him and for Him. Jesus is so much different than anybody else who created all things for Him and through Him. But here's the thing that I have to get my head around, that I have to wrap my head around, which is very difficult. That the man, Jesus, who had this self-understanding that His disciples saw Him in this light, the church preached this, had the most profound humility of any person. Wrap your head around that. That the Creator of the universe came, it says, He made Himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant in the likeness of men. And then you find Him on the night of His betrayal before He's crucified. And where do you find Jesus? You find him on his knees, washing his disciples' feet. I don't know anyone else like that. One that could say, I was in the beginning with the Father, and I knew the glory of the Father, and yet he is on his feet, washing his disciples' feet. Another thing that I can tell you about Jesus that makes Him so much different than everybody else and every other teacher is that He has an unparalleled message of love. Unparalleled. No other teacher preached it like Jesus. No other preacher lived it like Jesus. Listen to these words and struggle with it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, Not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue and take your tunic, let him have your cloak too. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard it said that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I don't want to say anything after that. Because I don't think I have to. That is a supernatural message of love, isn't it? Because none of us want to do it. None of us would even dare to think it. But Jesus says, this is my message, that you're to love one another and even those who hurt you. Y'all remember Charlottesville. It was a full display of hate not too long ago, right? It's a lightning rod of a political firestorm, isn't it? 
But there were a lot of men and women in Charlottesville who were spreading hate and marching through that city. And there was one guy by the name of Ken Parker who he said this, listen to these words. He said, I was a grand dragon of the KKK. This is a year ago. And then the Klan wasn't hateful enough for me, so I decided to become a Nazi. That's who was marching in that city. But then there was a filmmaker, an African-American filmmaker, who came to him and was nice to him, showed him kindness. And then he met an African-American minister who was nice to him and invited him to church. And now he's repented. I want to say I'm sorry. I do apologize. I know I've spread hate and discontent through this city immensely. Probably made little kids scared to sleep in their own beds and in their own neighborhoods. And then fast forward to the scene and you have the African American minister baptizing a Nazi in the waters. Now that's a message of love, isn't it? Number one, that that minister would even spend one minute invested into a Nazi, someone that hated him. But that's only possible in the message of Christ. That no matter what the political divides are, no matter what the racial divides are, no matter who you think you are, you're supposed to love one another. And that is the message of Jesus Christ, unparalleled with any other teacher. I dare you to find a passage of Scripture or a passage in another book that's even comparable to that. You'll find teachers quoting Him. It's a message of love. And that's why Jesus said, and you shall know, they shall know that you're My disciples. Indeed, if you what? If you have love for one another. That's the true test of a disciple is, is their state of their being, their state of their heart, whether they truly love people. And then we also have number three, not only Jesus' unparalleled message of love that this world needs desperately more than ever, but you have His vicarious death on the cross. Not only was Jesus' teachings in life truly unique, but His death was also, while others have been martyred for their belief, no one in the history of humanity has the kind of meaning associated with their death as Jesus does. No one else. And then you put it to the backdrop Listen to me. You put it to the backdrop of, the, of Jerusalem during Passover. Think of the meaning that is infused into His death. God wanted us to know something about Jesus' death, didn't He? He dies in Jerusalem during Passover. God wants us to know that He died for us. That that is the atonement for sin. The reason is, is it because blood is required for sin. In Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. No one else has died for your sins. Remember not too long ago I went and heard a, a speech by an orthopedic surgeon 
And he was talking about some of the stem cell research and things that you can get now that you don't have to take out your knee or your hip or your elbow or whatever. But he said something very interesting that it just marked in my mind. He said it takes blood to have healing. And then he said this, it takes blood for healing both physically and spiritually. For God to make atonement for our sins, it required the blood of Jesus. That makes him remarkably different than every other teacher that's ever walked this earth. And then lastly, almost lastly, he didn't stay dead. You can go to graveyards all over the earth and find notable men and women. You can find all kinds of people in graveyards and in tombs, but Jesus is not in a tomb. If He was, we would be talking about it. Christians would be there. Peter Marshall, the great minister, said, no tabloid will ever print the startling news that the mummified body of Jesus of Nazareth has been discovered in old Jerusalem. Christians have no carefully embalmed body enclosed in glass case to worship. Thank God we have an empty tomb. The glorious fact that the empty tomb proclaims to us that life for us does not stop when death comes. Death is not a wall. Death is a door. Amen. Now who are you going to compare Jesus to again? Because he didn't stay dead. He's alive. You wouldn't have a church here if he stayed dead. And lastly, the reason why I believe in Jesus Christ today is because he's, he hasn't been done with this world. He continues to work in this world through his church and through his people and through his Holy Spirit. He's not done with us yet. That's why Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. What a message of hope. That's who Jesus is. He's our Savior. One person once said it like this, if our greatest need would have been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, He would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need was money, He would have sent us an economist. If it was pleasure, He would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was for forgiveness. So He sent us a Savior. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly, this man is the Son of God. Have you obeyed Him? It begins in faith. It begins in seeing Him for who He is, for what He proclaimed, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, that He is one with the Father. And to know the Father is through His Word and through His life and through His death and through His resurrection. To see our sin for what it is, that it is that which hurts us and hurts our people and hurts our world. And to repent of those things, to turn from sin and turn to life. To confess Jesus to be the Son of the living God like a centurion, like Peter, like the eunuch, 
I believe that Jesus Christ and to confess Him daily and to be baptized into His body, the church. For as many of you have been baptized, have put on Christ. And then to strive to walk faithfully with Him. We serve an awesome God. We serve a living Lord who is so much different than everyone else. Believe Him. Obey Him. So if you have any need this morning, whether it's a need of prayer, a need of repentance, then know that we stand with you. We're going to sing this next song to encourage you. So if you have any need, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.